right, as you see on the screen here, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And if you want to mark a spot, mark Matthew chapter 6. Those are going to be our two main texts this morning. So Luke chapter 11 and then Matthew chapter 6. Did I say Mark? I meant Matthew. Are we on here? Can you all hear me okay? All right. uh, I want to say, first of all, thank you to David Meyer. If you were here last Sunday morning, uh, we had a guest speaker. His name was David Meyer. Um, What we've challenged our church with this year is... All of our members, we have an expectation for everyone to be discipling someone. So we've called it, Who's Your One? Well, the strategy behind Who's Your One uh, originated with David Meyer. So it was neat to have him up here speaking, and I heard a lot of great feedback about him. The audio recording of that sermon is on our website and on our podcast if you follow it. So if you want to listen to it, you missed last Sunday. You can go to our website, go to our podcast, and you can listen to that sermon, and then while you're there, go ahead and listen to some other sermons, and you can increase the plays on those. And I'll know if you're doing that or not, okay? So I'm going to watch you this week. Uh, But we had a chance to go on vacation. Uh, You know, every week when I stand up here to preach, what you're hearing is kind of a final product, but there's a lot of work that goes into the sermon, a lot of study, a lot of prayer, a lot of preparation, And we've got to make sure the well doesn't run dry, so it's nice to be able to take a break every once in a while. So I'm thankful to this church and the elders to be able to take a vacation. My family and I, when most families probably go to the beach, uh, we go to the mountains. I try to, in the heat of summer, try to go find some snow somewhere, and we were able to do that last week. We found a little snow. Uh, We drove up Pikes Peak in Colorado Springs, Colorado, the Pikes Peak Highway, and I just want to give you one strong warning right now. Don't ever drive up Pikes Peak Highway. It's incredibly terrifying. The whole way up, I was thinking, why am I doing this? Uh, But other than that, we had a great week, and it was refreshing, and we missed you, and we're glad to be back here with you. Uh, Ten years ago, I worked with a ministry called Dry Bones Denver. Uh, They operate in downtown Denver, and it's an outreach for street kids and young adults, those who are houseless. Well, you know, that's kind of the new word now, houseless people. And so it's a relational outreach, and I got a chance one night when we were in Denver to go and visit them. Every Thursday night, they do a meal right below Coors Field and the corner of 19th and Wewata in downtown Denver, and we got a chance to interact with the Drybone staff and some of the former street kids that are still around. And when I went to bed that night, I was encouraged and I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus teaches us to pray, Your kingdom come. And I thought about that work in Denver and I thought, that is God's kingdom coming. That's God alive and active. Even 10 years later, after I was gone, I go back to visit and I see God working. But I also thought, Your kingdom come is happening in Longview, Texas as well. And I was eager to come home and to continue this work. I want to start this morning with a prayer. And I want to invite you to pray with me. Jesus teaches us a prayer. Traditionally, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Most of you probably have it memorized from the King James Version. Some of you, you maybe have never heard it before. So the words of the Lord's Prayer will be on the screen. And I want to invite you to say the prayer with me. I'm going to probably pray a hybrid of King James and NIV. So if we don't all say the same exact words, it's okay. But let's say this prayer together, and I'll lead it. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. The disciples come up to Jesus with a request, and Luke tells us from the very beginning, he was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. First of all, Luke tells us, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, Luke goes out of his way to show us that throughout the life and ministry of Jesus, he's with people, he's healing people, he's training his disciples, but constantly Jesus takes time to go off and to pray. So they see how important the prayer life is to Jesus, so his own disciples come up to him and they say, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. So what is prayer? Do you pray? And if you do pray, what do you expect to happen when you pray? There are people around the world who maybe don't pray, and they would look at Christians and, who pray and say, that's just wishful thinking or superstitious or self-therapy. So what is prayer? And if you do pray, what are you expecting to happen when you pray? And who is considered a good prayer? I'm not even sure if that's a, an appropriate word, but who's good at praying, right? Sometimes... We judge people's spirituality based on how they pray if we listen to somebody pray. So is somebody good at praying if they say the right spiritual words or the right buzzwords? Is somebody good at praying if they have a lot of emotion? If you go to big Christian conferences, sometimes when people lead prayers, they, they whisper like this. And you know, Does that make them good at praying because they whisper with a certain kind of emotion? Who's good at praying and who gets to be the measuring stick on who says a good prayer and who doesn't say a good prayer? What do we expect to happen when we pray? Why do we pray? What if prayer is less about sounding good for other people? And what if prayer is less about getting God to do what we want him to do? And what if prayer is more about us getting in line with what God wants? What would Jesus pray when he would go off by himself? What did that prayer life sound like? We know in the garden before Jesus is crucified, he says, not my will, but yours be done. His focus in his life and his ministry was not what he wanted in the fleshly body, but it was what God wanted for him. So who prays? Think about this. Studies have shown that almost every culture in human existence has tried to connect both human and divine. People pray. Billions of people are praying around the world right now. Isn't that a crazy thought? People of different religions are praying. People who, who do not believe in God sometimes will say a prayer. People who leave church and never come back still admit to praying sometimes. Human beings, you know, we pray. Whether we're in the faith and and active in a church or we're not, human beings like to pray. So how are we supposed to pray? If somebody becomes a follower of Jesus, we don't just expect them to all of a sudden know how to pray. And even for those of you who have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, we can't take for granted that we just know how to pray. 
So in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. I love Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Think about the disciples. Most of these men, especially the twelve, were of the Jewish faith. They grew up going to synagogue, kind of like we go to church. They would probably travel to Jerusalem maybe multiple times a year to go to the temple in Jerusalem. So Jesus' disciples grew up praying as a community of faith. They grew up reciting the Psalms as part of their prayer life. They grew up reciting the Shema multiple times a day. The Shema comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So they had prayers that they would recite. They would pray with the community of faith. They knew how to pray, but yet they come up to Jesus, and they're seeing his prayer life. And I don't know how long they've been following Jesus at this point, but they still say, teach us to pray, just like John taught his disciples to pray. I come back to Luke chapter 11, verse 1, at least once a year. And this becomes my prayer also. Teach me to pray. Why? Because nobody has mastered prayer. We're all students of prayer. We're all on this discipleship journey And we're learning how to pray. And if we want to follow Jesus, if what we say we're about at this church is to make, mature, and multiply faithful followers of Jesus as we mature, we're maturing on the journey of praying like Jesus. So they come up to him, as disciples do, with this request, teach us to pray. So Jesus gives them a prayer. And part of what we're about to read is what we just prayed as a church, starting in verse 2 of Luke 11. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. And as we forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not lead us into the time of trial. So if you know the Lord's Prayer, Luke's version sounds a little bit shorter. You know, we're about to read Matthew chapter 6, and in Matthew, he gives us some more words to this prayer. But in Luke chapter 11, when they request to know how to pray, he teaches them a prayer. Jewish rabbis in that ancient world would teach their disciples composed prayers. The purpose of following a rabbi, of following a teacher, is to try and be like them in every area of life, including your rabbi's prayer life. So it was not uncommon for rabbis to teach their disciples prayers. Here's how you pray. So they request from Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says, when you pray, say these words. So the other version of what we call the Lord's Prayer comes from Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to give you the context before I read it. Matthew 6, the context is a little different. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he's dealing with religious leaders who are hypocrites. And so he's saying not to be like them. And in Matthew 6, especially that first part, he talks about how the religious leaders like to be seen by others when they pray, when they fast, when they give. They're doing it for a show. Their heart's not in the right place. They're just trying to look religious. So Jesus is challenging those who are listening to practice their acts of righteousness in secret. 
And he's talking about prayer. And when you pray, you know, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Don't keep on babbling like the pagans. You know, this is what he's teaching on prayer. But then again, Jesus gives them a prayer to pray. And in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. So you might notice that Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer uh, sounds a little different than Luke chapter 11. We combine them together, and that's what we pray as the Lord's Prayer. But how well do we really know this prayer? You've probably heard it most of your life, but how well do you really know it? I don't know if these guys look familiar. This is the best picture if I could get with these two guys together from an old Coke commercial. But you know the guy wearing number nine right there? Anybody know who that is? Jim McMahon, right, for the Chicago Bears, 1985. Um, and then the other guy is who? Refrigerator Perry, so we're going to call him the Fridge. So these two guys are two of the more famous players from that 1985 Chicago Bears team in the NFL. Uh, and there's a story that one day when they were in a team meeting, the coach asked the Fridge to come up front to the podium and lead the team in the Lord's Prayer. So he agrees, and he's walking from the back, and as he's taking the slow walk to the podium, Jim McMahon leads over to the team chaplain, and he said, I bet you 50 bucks he doesn't know it. And for whatever reason, the team chaplain is shaking on this, and so the team chaplain's making a bet. The fridge gets up to the podium, and everybody's quiet, and he begins the Lord's Prayer, and he says, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and he says whatever that prayer is, and after he finishes, Jim McMahon pulled out 50 bucks, gave it to the team chaplain, and said, man, I could have sworn he didn't know the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> so, obviously, neither one of them knew the Lord's Prayer. But how well do we really know the Lord's Prayer? How well do we know the heart behind each line in this prayer that Jesus teaches us? The words of this prayer seem Simple, but they're profound. So how well do we really know the Lord's Prayer? It's the most spoken or prayed prayer in human history. Even people that are not familiar with the Christian faith are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Often you hear this prayer in public settings or church services. You know, growing up, when, when I was on the varsity football team in Greenville, Texas, the final thing we would do before we'd leave the locker room and go out on the field is we would take a knee and everybody place a hand on a shoulder pad and we would say the Lord's Prayer, King James Version. And then we would hop up and everybody would start cussing and hooping and hollering, but we said the Lord's Prayer, so it's, you know, I'm sure the other team was doing it in their locker room as well. But that was my relationship with the Lord's Prayer growing up. That's how I knew it. I had it memorized from the King James Version, and I knew that's the prayer that you prayed before a football game. But my relationship with this prayer has changed dramatically in the last seven years. We had a men's class that met January through May, met in the parlor on Wednesday nights, about 15 to 20 guys each week, and we had different topics we would go over, but at the end of each class, as a group of men, we would say the Lord's Prayer 
together, just like we did as a church. So why should we, in 2018, why should we pray this prayer? Why would this be important, or should we pray this prayer? Should the Lord's Prayer be a part of our prayer life? Early on in ministry, I was going through some struggles. You know, ministry, there can be a lot of mental and emotional struggles that you go through. And I'll admit to you that there were times in my life when I wanted to pray and I needed to pray and I would sit down to pray and I just didn't have the words. Have you ever been there? Where you like, you know you need to pray and there's a lot you just want to unload, but you don't even know where to begin. So I was sharing that struggle with a fellow minister one day. And he told me that when he prays, and he gets in the same position sometimes where he's really struggling and doesn't even know where to begin, he slows himself down, sits in silence for a moment, and then recites the Lord's Prayer. And then whatever else he wants to pray about, he prays about, but he begins that way. And that was his advice to me. So I took his advice, and about seven or eight years ago, I started just saying the Lord's Prayer, trying to slow myself down, and then begin whatever it is that I'm going to pray about. And that began a new journey in my life. I had a different relationship with the Lord's Prayer after that, and as I would say it slowly, there were certain things in my own life and my own heart that would kind of come to the surface. Now, as a Church of Christ... You know, this is our heritage, this is our background. Traditionally, historically, if there's other denominations doing something, then we don't do it. So we have other denominations that have said the Lord's Prayer is a part of their worship or their service. And if they're doing it, then we don't do it. So sometimes we swing the other way. And I think as a tribe, as a heritage, we just don't practice saying the Lord's Prayer very often. We focused on knowledge and getting more knowledge and knowing the scriptures, but rarely have we slowed down to really look at this Lord's Prayer and what Jesus teaches. We learn to pray by listening to each other. So you may think, well, why would you pray the Lord's Prayer? Isn't that just routine, rote You know, you're just reciting somebody else's words. Does that really come from the heart? But if you think about it, the way that we learn to pray is we listen to other people pray. We learn from each other. We imitate each other. You've grown up going to church. If you have, you listen to people pray in a church service or in a Bible class or in a connect group, or you listen to your family pray, or your relatives pray, or whatever it may be, and we learn to pray by listening to each other pray. The first time I ever said a prayer in public was on a Sunday night church service. I was asked to say the closing prayer, and I was nervous. I had prayed before, but I never prayed in front of that many people, so my dad helped me out. He got a little index card, and he wrote out a prayer for me, And I remember he told me that someday you'll get to the place where you can pray from your heart. But so you don't get up there and freeze, you take this note card up there with you. And a part of that closing prayer were these words. Guide, guard, and direct us and lead us back at the next appointed time. Who's heard that prayer before? (laughs) 
That's the clo- I started noticing after that at the end of every church service. And Lord, guide, guard, and direct us and lead us back at the next point in time. I don't even think I knew what that meant at the time. I just knew is what you said before you left the building. And I almost got worried that if I didn't say it or somebody didn't pray that, that something bad was going to happen to us. But we learned to pray. You know, somebody came up with that at some point, And then other people started imitating that prayer. Or think about it before you eat. If you're at a restaurant or you're at home, you pray a blessing on the food. Bless this food to what? To the nourishment of our bodies, and some people even say, in our bodies, to thy service. I still pray that today. I didn't make that up on my own. I heard somebody else pray it, and I just kind of took it on as my own. I've heard numerous times in different churches, whoever says the opening prayer, or maybe prays right before the preacher comes up, to help him to have a ready recollection of the things he has prepared. So you get where I'm going with this. We learn to pray by listening to each other, and sometimes we kind of copy each other's prayers. We imitate each other, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a part of having a faith family, is we can learn from each other. That's a good thing. But my argument with the Lord's Prayer is, why not let Jesus be the main voice influencing how we pray? If we're already going to copy other people's prayers, what would be wrong with copying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. So he said, here's a prayer that you can pray. But yet we've gotten so far away from it, we just kind of know it from memory, but we don't really know it. We don't really have a great relationship with it. Now, I will say that Jesus prayed other prayers. The Lord's Prayer is not the only prayer that we should pray. You look at John chapter 17, you look at the rest of the gospel story, there are times when Jesus prays and he says different words other than the Lord's Prayer. If you read through the New Testament and you look at Paul's letters, Paul will write out prayers and it's not word for word the Lord's Prayer. You look at the book of Acts and the apostles prayed all types of prayers. The early church prayed all types of prayers. So the Lord's Prayer is not the only prayer and that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's a great place to start, and it's a great place to continually come back to. That's why the Lord's Prayer has become a part of my daily prayer life. And I'm not saying that to brag. Some of you may think that's weird, but I promise you, saying these words has changed the way that I pray. This prayer is not about magic. The words in this prayer are not magic. Some people may teach that if you want to be absolved from your sins, say the Lord's Prayer ten times and your sins are forgiven. Or you say this prayer and then good things will start happening. That's not what I'm advocating. This prayer is not about magic. This prayer is about formation. It's about being formed into the life and the mission of Jesus. When we pray like Jesus, we begin to take on the same wants and desires that Jesus had. So it's not like saying this prayer, we got to say it at least once or at least 10 times a day and great things will start happening. It's about taking on the passion of Jesus. Stanley Hauerwas and William Willimon wrote a book on the Lord's Prayer and they define it this way. This prayer is not about getting what we want, but rather bending our wants towards what God wants. 
The Lord's Prayer is not about getting what we want, like God is some genie in a bottle. The Lord's Prayer is about bending our wants towards what God wants. This is the heart of Jesus, and this is what he teaches us to pray. So I want to offer two challenges to you this morning. And some of you may be thinking, uh, I like some of this, but some of it's weird, and I am not going to just recite some prayer every day. But that's my first challenge, It's to try it once a day for a week. Just pray the Lord's Prayer, maybe before you pray or after you say your other prayers, but pray it and pray it slowly and reflect on the words that Jesus teaches us to pray. And if that's too weird for you, then at least pull out Luke 11 and Matthew 6 and read over it slowly every day this week. It won't take long. But don't rush through it. Read it slowly and reflect on the words that Jesus teaches us to pray. And then as you do that, pay attention. Pay attention to your heart. As you soak in the Lord's Prayer to your heart, pay attention to what rises. What's an area that you need to focus on? As I started praying the Lord's Prayer as a part of my daily routine, my daughter, when I'd put her to bed at night, we would say this prayer together, or for a while, I would pray it to her. And there were many nights in a row where I would say, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You notice something? I left out a part. And I would go back over it, and I would think, wait a minute. That's not the, I'm missing something, because I'm going from memory here. What part am I missing? And I was missing, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And night after night when this happened, I realized it's not because I forgot it. I think subconsciously I'm not saying it because there were some wounds in my own life, some people that I needed to forgive. And every time I said this prayer, it was a reminder that I need God's forgiveness, but what Jesus requires of us is us to forgive others. So saying this prayer changed my life at that point in my life. It bent me towards forgiveness. More recently, as I say the Lord's Prayer, the part where Jesus says, Your kingdom come. That part of the prayer has really stood out to me. That's an area I'm focusing on, and here's why. Because when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I'll confess that sometimes I don't believe that that's going to actually happen. I just pray it and say it, but lately I've been thinking, when I pray your kingdom come, I need to pray with anticipation that God is going to move and he's going to act as he already has been. Your kingdom come. I saw that when we were in Denver a week and a half ago. I saw that in the ministry of Dry Bones. Your kingdom come. We see it this morning with Jason Becca and the work that's taking place in Cambodia. For those who are at Camp Deer Run right now, your kingdom come. We see that taking place in the life of the staff and the campers. Your kingdom come. We see that taking place in Longview through all of our ministries. Your kingdom come. Come, do you really believe that God is going to work? Do you anticipate God acting? My challenge to you 
is that we're students of prayer. And we come before Jesus today and we say, teach us to pray. Because we're still learning to pray. So may we become a type of people that pray the way that Jesus prays so that we bend our wants towards what God wants. So we can further our discipleship with Christ. This morning we're going to sing a few more songs. As we normally do, we offer a chance for you to respond in invitation. You saw our shepherds up here this morning as they prayed over the Allens. Some of, one of them will be up front with me, and you can come up front if you need to respond. Some of our elders will be in the back if you need to talk with them privately. But this is a great opportunity for you to respond if you need to. Let's stand and continue singing.